You are listening to the Massive Report podcast. Hey, buddies! It's the Massive Report. Um, if you hear that greeting, you know that uh, it's like the Columbus Crew sometimes when you know you've got some injuries uh, to your top striker, no Brian Phillips. You injuries your second stringer, no no Patrick Murphy. We are down to Eric Hurtado, and like Eric Hurtado, uh, I only score bangers, and I have an irrational fear of needles. That's right. It's Bart Logan on the year. That may by. have been our best <laughs> intro all year. Like, sorry, Brian, this one takes the cake. <laughs> I, uh, uh, you know, uh, I, I promise, I promise the bar that I've set it at, I will not return to for the rest of the anywhere between 46 and 96 minutes uh, remaining on this podcast. We'll see what Sam allows us to do. Um, but uh, as mentioned, Bart here with you, uh, we've got a, a new, this is a, this is a starting group that I don't think we've ever had. You know, we're doing a little bit of rotation here and it's good. You need rotation. That's a sign of a good team, good depth. Um, and, you know, frankly, uh, uh, Patrick Murphy and, and some of the other guys, they really haven't been producing a whole lot, uh, you know, much like, like crew. And, and uh, so we're bringing in crew two that does nothing but win. Um, and we've got Ryan Schmidt with us. Ryan, how you doing? Good. How are you? Hey, hey, I'm terrific. We've also got Brian Marach. Brian, pleasure. Good to see you again. Yeah, good to see you guys. Good to be here. I'm very happy to be here. Oh, I'm happy to have you. And we've got Grant Miller. Grant, hey, pleasure to have you on. Always a pleasure to come off the bench for Massive Reports. Easily the uh, highlight of my week. So very excited okay. to be here. No, this is this is a team of super subs. It's like if you had uh, eleven Dante Washington in his prime coming off, and then of course uh, you know a starter all week. So you, you've got you know Dante Washington, but we still also have Robert Warziha in his prime, and that's Sam Fami. Sam, how are you, sir? Uh, just trying to keep the boat rowing. Hey, we we are gonna try to do that too, and and that you know is apt because for the first time in like three weeks we've gotten water in columbus and you may need to be rowing to get out there are a lot of floods going on there there is indeed a lot of flood actually our our parking lot at work is notorious for uh flooding because it's on a fl- flood plane so uh yeah i was i was glad i didn't have to swim to my office this morning i was say i might need to like borrow a kayak or something to get in but uh we've got you know we've got a, a game to talk about and i guess We'll have to talk about it. But first, we've got exciting news. And that is that it's happening, guys. It is really, really happening. He's officially a Columbus Crew player, Cucho Hernandez, officially met the team or met the fans over the weekend um, in Philly and is slated to make his debut uh, this coming weekend against Chicago. Obviously, you know, fellas and, and anyone here, feel free to jump in. But we knew that this, uh, uh, you know, we knew the signing was coming. And we, we've spent some time, you know, talking on the podcast the last few weeks about, you know, the, the expectations and how it really surprised a lot of people. But um, but now, obviously, he, he's here with the team. He's done a little bit of training, not not, you know, too sharp. But what are your expectations um, for Cucho? this signing and, and what, you know, we can maybe expect to see coming up here this weekend. Um, so, uh, I, I mean, my expectations are very high, not for this weekend. Um, this weekend, I don't really have, you know, I would actually say my expectations are pretty low. Um, I personally don't expect him to start. I think his first game is going to come at home uh, or no, there's a midweek game, right? There's a, yeah, we uh, play DC the yeah. Wednesday after. So I think it feels kind of awkward. I don't know. Yeah. It's uh, a little awkward, but if he, if, you know, if he only gets 30 against Chicago, maybe he only gets 30 against, uh, you know, against DC. I kind of like the idea of his first start ever being at home um, and hell is real against FC Cincinnati. But um the biggest thing for me that accompanies Cucho Hernandez's arrival is now Caleb Porter is officially on the clock. And I think that's a really, I think that is a very uh, underrated thing. Uh, you know, leave it to the it. Cleveland guy. Love it. Yeah, the Cleveland, love that's it. like Cleveland. And you just be like the coaches on the hot seat. 
Well, I mean, let's, en- let's enjoy this a little bit. Let's see the well, formation. I, let's see, see how I, the team reacts. I do want know? to enjoy this. So, but we officially hit yeah. the 17 game midway midway point against mm-hmm. Philly. We a lot of soccer left. A lot of, I agree, a ton of soccer left. And the way that I think Bruce Arena is famous for saying this, where if you win two games in a row in MLS, then you're automatically back in it. And that is true. But now you have all your pieces, and now it's time to go. So I do have high expectations for the team and for Cujo Hernandez. Grant, you seem like you're a little just a bit more bullish and optimistic, you know, in general here. Yeah, I think that's my general nature. And I'm trying to tamper that down a little bit because mm-hmm. if you look at and i'm not a huge advanced stats guy but if we look at like expected goals and the expected goal differential i think Cruz are like ninth in the league or something uh we know that the defense is finding its way right now i think the three center backs has worked very well the the midfield uh group has, has really done a yeoman's effort mm-hmm. so it's very easy just to think if you throw cucho in there all our problems are going to be solved we know that's not really going to be the case. MLS is a weird league, but, you know, in the middle of the week before his first appearance, it's very difficult not to just want to start printing playoff tickets right now. And we're not, we're below the line, but um, to, to Brian's point, I think I, I feel kind of the same way. I don't expect him to start Saturday. Maybe he does. I don't know. I'm not expecting that, but uh, I, I do think it's, one game against Chicago. And if we want to even look farther ahead to that Wednesday, it's two games. You hope you can get results without them. Honestly. I mean, if this team is as good as we want to believe it is, these are kind of results. And to Brian, to your point, I mean, two wins, you're right back in it. Two wins on the road. We're getting way ahead of ourselves, but uh, I'm, I'm bullish uh, right now with kind of where we stand. Yeah. The, the two worst teams in the Eastern conference too, by points. So, yeah. We've already played DC once. You know, we know who they are. I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, although crew, crew, not too far ahead of them when you're talking about, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, point total. I think it's just what I, I guess. No, they're they're a whole they're a whole five points up. I I, uh, I got that wrong. This is, I mean, it's that's what happens when Caleb Porter wins two games on the road. Is this uh, Ryan? Is this just like? That, that good energy, that good juju from uh, the Cucho signing suddenly, I mean, like, like Caleb Porter is winning games on the road. What, what, what's going on? Um, to be honest, I'd hope so. That'd be some great, something great to happen. But it's the crew and it's the road and they're very much enemies. So I hope we can get one win. I'm, I'm optimistic for four points. I think six points is a little ambitious given our road history. But I had a chance to watch D.C. over the weekend. I think we can get three points against D.C. And Chicago has been very, very shaky. They have a young goalkeeper in Slonina in goal. Very good keeper, but he's had a few blunders recently. So I'm hoping we get six points. I think it, I think it definitely could happen. And then hell is real being the first game back at home for Kucho to start in. I just want to say that I yes, only yeah. expected the crew to get – two points out of the last two games and the fact that they got four um it kind of feels like it's a step in the right direction so if they can continue if if they get four points in the next two games i'm actually gonna be pretty pretty happy because it's teams outside of dc uh is chicago above or no chicago's below so chicago and dc are both below Mm -hmm. so yeah if they can if they can get four to six points out of that that's actually gonna be really good and then um trying to get three out of Cincinnati who's above them in the table right now would be, I think that launches them really back into the, the fight of, of playoff. Well, we alluded to it earlier and, and, and we'll talk about the, the draw over the weekend. Uh, but I do, since, since we haven't had a chance to, to gloat all over that, you know, wonderful dominant, crew victory in BMO field, just going into Toronto and taking three points, taking three, all three points. Um, just watching Michael Bradley miss it just real bad. couple other, you know, just classic Michael Bradley moments. Um, it was actually maybe, maybe a little bit of a nervy game, but, um, uh, before we, you know, get really into the, the draw against Philadelphia, um, fellas, you know, observations about Cruz ability to go up and gut one out, um, after getting the early lead, um, hold on for dear life, but hold on. Yeah. I mean, 
I personally, I mean, I was ecstatic after they got the, the point against at Real, at Real Salt Lake. I mean, that's not an easy thing to do. So I honestly had chalked up to the Toronto game as to whatever happens, happens. I had very low expectations, but it was, it was honestly the first time in a very long time where I saw the crew Homer away. They were asserting their, they were the controlling the game and asserting their dominance against the opponent. And they looked at least in this instance, I mean, miles above Toronto, Darlington Abbey was thriving in the midfield. Zawaski, you know, provided some awesome uh, energy. I don't know. I was, I, I was busy for the first half and I turned it on halftime, but I was very hesitant because I figured I was going to jinx it. it. It did feel invigorating seeing three points on the road, the kids playing, I mean, play the kids, right? Uh, it's what you get. So there was like a, it, there was a little bit more pop in the way the team was playing um, as opposed to maybe we've seen in the past, especially on the road. I mean, road games, it was like, just felt like everyone was sluggish or, you know, a step behind. This was very much, it did get nervy at the end by all means. I mean, we were parking the bus, holding on, but there was a little bit more, especially in transition guys, like going into the attacking third with purpose, which is what we've all been asking for. Um, and I, you know, you chalk that up to Nagby getting forward. You chalk that up to Jason Russell Rowe being in there, whatever it is, it, you know, feels like it's been carrying over a little bit. Um, in the, in the last couple of games. So it's, it was fun to see. And I, I hope it's a sign of things to come. Do, do crew, honestly, do crew even need Cucho Hernandez now that Jason Russell Rowe is a first team player? I mean, two assists in his first start. Uh, obviously, you know, the concern is, is he may have gone down uh, or that he, he did go down Um in that uh, uh, game over the weekend, but you know, talk a little bit about him and, and Sean Zawadzki uh, getting the goal, just an absolute screamer. Um, uh, really encouraging signs for some young players for a crew team that we've talked about for a while. It's they're in win mode now, and um, and for a couple of years, it didn't really look like you know that that the pipeline was was uh, you know running too full. But now, now that Crew Two's in, you know you're starting to see some young players contribute, um, and Jason Russell Rowe, uh, a chief among them. Yeah, I mean, I I personally think that Crew Two has been invaluable, or you know, I don't even know if I use that word correctly, but it's been very, it's been very valuable. And you know, MLS Next Pro itself has been incredibly valuable because normally these guys, and they're not getting first team minutes, would just be getting, you know, time in training week in and week out and not being able to actually grow their game on the field. And I think, you know, crew two is a huge reason why you're seeing a Jason Russell Rowe and Zawazi step onto the field and not really skip a beat because they don't really have to find their game shape. They don't need to, you know, they're in shape They're They've been playing soccer for, you know, almost just as long as the first team has and their touch is there. So, you know, they can kind of hit the ground running when they come in. It's awesome to see. Kudos to the guys in um, uh, the Crew 2 front office because it is a separate entity to find Jason Russell Rowe, uh, kind of plucking him from Toronto. Uh, that's a huge get, and it's a testament to the scouting. And if you've watched Crew 2 this year, I mean, it's not a shock that he's able to really assert himself in the attack because he's got a nose, I, he's got a nose for the goal uh, in a, typical, a very typical striker way. I think it's good to see all the young kids out because I think prior to MLS Next Pro, Philly was really the only team to put the young kids out and it's worked really well for them. So I'm hoping the same thing that Philly kind of did can work for us where, you know, we have JRR in, Zawadzki has shown really well. Uh, Morris worked really well, especially in MLS Cup before that unfortunate ACL tear. But I'm hoping once we get that pipeline going, if we can kind of work something out to send them off to Europe or something, and then we can reinvest that back into the club and get some more money off it. I think Crew 2 will be, like you said, invaluable to uh, the overall project. One thing just to add for the, you know, to what Grant said about the scouting, I do think, you know, I want to give Crew 2 up front office some credit, but I do think, uh, at least for Jason Russell Rowe, Tim Bezbachenko probably had a lot to do with that one because he, Jason Russell Rowe, was a like Toronto Academy stud. And I have to for imagine, sure. I imagine, yeah. uh, 
Bez was keeping some keeping his eyes on him, and yeah. once they said they didn't want him anymore, he's I I think the the official GM for the crew is also Canadian. I forget his name. I think it's uh. I, I think you're right. I, yeah. It's escaping me, but they, I mean it's all connected. I mean this, these aren't siloed off. I mean these guys know what they're doing. Um, and I, Mo Farsi, another guy, Canadian dude. I think he's right there. Uh, I really want to see him uh, up there, but it's a different kind of situation with the that right back or kind of right wing back position. Um, but no, it's awesome. Yeah. And, and so what we've seen, what we, you know, we're starting to see for, for a bit of a prolonged period is this three in the back and that flat three, you know, crew had been, uh, we'd seen crew at least with the, that midfield three, um, you know, pretty regularly for, for the last several months, um, especially, you know, when, when uh, Lucas L. Ryan went down for a bit. Um, but, uh, but, you know, with Arthur's injury, uh, Zawadzki able to, to step right in there and you're still getting really good, you know, performances from that midfield trio, but you're also getting, again, you know, as you talked about earlier, Sam, we thought, you know, maybe two points out of these two games, um, Philadelphia and Toronto. I think if you'd asked anybody last week, um, are you happy with four points out of those two games? Uh, they would have been ecstatic. Um, and I think it is, you know, as much as I do like uh, uh, some pressure, you know, justifiable pressure being put up on or maybe just accountability now going toward uh, the head coach, uh, if, you know, with the Cucho signing, um, I'm also encouraged to see the growth that we've seen from Caleb Porter when it comes to the formations, giving it some time to jail, even with a lot of new players thrust in and it's starting to, to yield some results and it might be, you know, God, if, if crew can get people all healthy, there could be some tough decisions from, you know, a starting 11 standpoint um, from a formation and personnel for Caleb Porter. And that's not a bad problem to have. You're definitely going to start running into issues of who comes off the bench first. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I think something that I don't think we talked about last week, but actually maybe we did. But um, when we talked about, are you going to keep four strikers on the roster on the first team roster? And that's going to be tough because like, okay, so Kruch is going to be your starter. Who's your first off the bench. Is it her or is it Jason Russell row? Because my gut feeling is that it's not going to be Miguel Barry. Um, if anything, I think Miguel is going to have to go down to crew two for a little bit, maybe get some goals in and get, get some of that confidence back. But it's it's probably not going to be Miguel. Um, and then, you know, who you, when Artur is healthy, considering how Sean Zawadzki has been playing, obviously considering how um, um, Aiden Morris has been playing, you're not gonna you're not gonna play that four three three formation. How are you gonna adjust to going back to your normal formation now that you do have a striker, putting Lucas where he normally is, let him create, having. Um, you know, when you get Yao Yaboa back and all, all of that stuff, there's, yeah, there's some, there's going to be some tough questions, but I think your first question is going to be at striker and depending on how Kucho does, that's going to be, and you're, you're not going to, you're not going to let him sit and come off the bench once he starts, unless he's like injured or needs a rest or something. But yeah, it's, it's going to be really, I don't want to say interesting. It's going to be really weird. I think more than anything else. It's going to be different. I mean, we're not, this is kind of a new conversation. We've been so used to that four, two, three, one, you know, every, a lot of people just seem locked in. Now we're having like, you know, conversations like, I don't know, like who, who we don't, we haven't even used our, our wings uh, in like three, ga two games. It's like, I don't even know what to do with Derek Etienne Jr. I know he's been kind of hurt, but uh, I mean, it's crazy to think where we're here now from where we were at the start of the season when we were talking about guys like Yaya Bo and, and what they can do. And it's uh you're right. It, it's an interesting kind of place to be tactically. Oh, and, it, and oh, go you, ahead. Partners, yeah. Sorry. I, I, it, I was actually, I'm interested because uh, Sam, do you think it is a foregone conclusion that they return to a four, two, three, one, because for the longest time I was thinking that, but the more and more that we play with a three-man midfield, the more and more I like what we see, and I just feel it. Just feels like feels like we play better when we have, you know, at least Darlington Nagby and Aiden Morris on the field. 
And if you add Artur to that mix, well, how can you, how do you possibly sit any of those three people? Right. And it's, and, and I think a lot of it is going to adjust, it's going to have to be an adjustment to how you end up seeing the chemistry between um, Lucas and Cucho. <clears throat> You're not going to sit either one of them for the sake of formation, if we're going to be totally honest. So how that chemistry between those two will dictate a lot of how the formation continues to go. And if you, if you go back to the regular formation, because now you do have a true striker, um, that kind of opens up some, some things. Like uh, I think uh, uh, somebody mentioned uh, Derek Etienne. When he came in, even though he only had like 10 or 12 minutes to play in the Philly game, he did provide a spark off that wing. But it was like there's, there's nobody in there to send it to because Miguel was out of position. <laughs> you yeah. know, uh, So I think that you have hopefully, you know, Yao Yaboa comes back. Uh, Luis Diaz figures out how to use his feet and not like sky it into the. You're asking a lot of them. I know he doesn't have to. I'm not asking him to score. I'm just asking him to like know how to use his feet outside of running fast in a straight line. I love Uh, Diaz, but it is frustrating. Right. So it's just figuring out how, how Cujo fits in that. And, And for like the first, for the next two games, you might see them play that same formation, even when he does go in. But I think moving forward, I think, it's a good formation now that you know that you can play in that formation. It's a good formation to throw in as a curveball for a team that's not expecting it. I don't think Philly was expecting the lineup that that came out. I don't think um, um, who do we beat? Oh, Toronto. Toronto. Toronto looked like they had no clue what was happening. And you also now realize that you can play three in the back and it will be effective. And that yeah. actually might that might help. You might start seeing a lot more three in the back. Um, with with Josh Williams, Jonathan Mensa, and Milos, and like, all right, put those other people up top in the midfield or put them up front because, but it's it's just it's going to be really hard to see that midfield who's been really good and try to take somebody off of that when when Artur comes back because you want Artur in there. Yeah, I think it unleashes Nagby a lot too. That's what we've seen the past two games, and I think Caleb even mentioned it after Toronto. He's like, no, I want him getting forward. I want him being – because when you do have three guys, three center backs, you, you do need that kind of extra kind of probing run into the attack from the center because you you know, you lose that wing. Um, so, I don't know. I think the ceiling for the team is higher in the 4-2-3-1, but I feel more secure with kind of what they've run out the past two games, if that makes sense. Well, and I, and I think, you, you know, you can look at uh, that Philadelphia – performance and again no not not the win uh uh we can and we will talk about the disallowed goal we'll talk you know about the penalty but i I think you look at you talked about you know toronto being a little bit frustrated and confused uh well i think philadelphia was as as evidenced by the way they they basically played hack-a-shack um the 23 fouls to to eight against the crew but of course um, you know, five yellows awarded to Columbus. Uh, who knows? And just two yellows award to Philadelphia. Uh, sometimes just because you're paranoid doesn't mean they're not all out to get you. But, uh, but, but fellas, you know, looking at obviously where Philadelphia is in the standings, you know, even though it's at home, you're, you're without, um, without some of your key starters in a, in a, you know, lineup again, that they're not, uh, they're they're getting more comfortable with, but I'd still say uh, you know a scoreless draw um, isn't a bad result, but for the fact that you should have had a you know one or two nothing wing. I'd be more frustrated if they hadn't won earlier in the week. I think that's kind of mm. kind of what we've all been kind of thought mentioning, like the the trajectory of the season was kind of going up already. Uh, it doesn't feel like all is lost. You're not hinging all your hopes uh, to these kind of cornerstone games, um, you know, as they come. So I don't know. I mean, you you wish you would have got the win. You wish Pedro would have put in the PK. You'd hope Hurtado somehow changes his run. I, Blake's a really good keeper. Philly's a good team. They were missing guys too, which I think uh, kind of played a role in their game plan, but um we controlled the game the you know tactically looked pretty strong 
if they lose the next two, you know, that, then, then that tie looks even worse. But if, you know, within the whole scope of the season, I don't think this is going to, uh, you know, hurt us too much, I hope. Now, Blake, you know, obviously some some big saves uh, there against Crew. What to go back to Kucho maybe just for a second? Does he? Can we assume that he becomes the man to, to take the penalties once he comes in? Um, uh, Pedro Santos, I, as much as I love Sanch, um, he's never seen you know uh, to be the most. Uh, uh, efficient when it comes to uh, taking the, the, you know, the opportunities from the spot. Luca Zellerayan, I don't, I don't think we've seen take a penalty since Orlando um, in the MLS is back tournament. Um, and uh, so, so that, and of course, Jossie Zardes was the guy uh, gone now. And so safe to assume that Cucho Hernandez is going to take that mantle. You, you hope. But I mean, strikers are kind of enigmas sometimes. I mean, I don't know. It was like uh, Pedro buried a few last year. They always just were like at the end of the game, and the, mm-hmm. it was out of reach, so it didn't really factor in. But yeah, I, I don't know. I, I know. Was, I mean, strikers are always weird. Some guys like, oh, I don't like taking it facing that direction. Uh, you know, all the that's Federico Higuain but, with the yeah, south end. <laughs> and he's as dependable as anybody. Then even he's like, oh no, I can't do it from that side. So you you hope. Um, Cucho's the guy, but I don't know if there's another PK and Pedro steps up, you know, again, I, I won't be shocked. I just, you just hope he buries it <laughs> so that you don't have to dissect it too much. Let's, let's not discount that Andre Blake made a really good save on that penalty. It's not like mm-hmm. Pedro kind of like kicked it at him. That was low and far. And Andre Blake is a really good goalkeeper. So yeah, it was you know, he keeps his team in a lot of games and that's why he's, he, they're, they're good and he's so good. So I feel after watching that penalty kick a few more times, I'm like, oh, that's a pretty good save on a pretty good shot. Yeah. It was uh, early yeah. too. I think everyone was cold. Sorry, Brian, I don't mean to interrupt. No, you. It was so early in the game. I don't think too many guys like had their legs under them to feel like hot and ready to go. So. Yeah. And I, I, I remember, I mean, Andre Blake, is awesome to see his point. He's fantastic. So there's, you should never be ashamed to get a penalty uh, saved by Andre Blake. Um, but right when Santos missed that penalty, I actually had a, a similar thought to what Bart said was, I think that might be the last non Cucho Hernandez penalty we see in a, in a very long time. Um, so I did look at his, you know, his penalty record and he is in his career. He's six for seven in converting his penalties. Um, but the last, pe- last penalty he took was, in the 2018-19 season as a member of SD Huesca in La Liga. So, and I apologize to my Spanish speakers if I butcher that. <laughs> but, um, so he hasn't taken one for a while. Um, but I think when you come to, uh, you know, when he comes to MLS with that big, big price tag, I think he's now the man and he's the one who steps up to the spot every time. You hope that's in the job description. Exactly. So we can forgive you know, Santos for the, uh, the miss on the penalty. Are we able to forgive? Um, oh my goodness. I'm, I'm blanking on the, the referee's name um, who called it for. Uh, That's okay. For he, that shall not, call. he shall not be named. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There we go. The, the, so yeah, we want to justify that was the it. Intent yeah. The entire time. <laughs> but, uh, uh, but I, I mean, so I've seen, I've seen a lot of debate, um, uh, uh, you know, going multiple ways on Twitter about, you know, whether it was the right call, whether, you know, Eric Hurtado was in fact obstructing his view or, you know, whether Blake was still tracked it the entire time, whether it's clear and apparent or whatever the, you know, the official um, uh, uh, standard is for MLS. I feel like the debate shows, uh, uh, lends itself to the fact that, or the, uh, uh, the opinion that you cannot um, uh, overturn it just because there's so much, you know, discrepancy on both end, uh, both ends. But, uh, but that was the result. Um, and, and, you know, who can, who can break that down, walk me off the edge um, and tell me that, you know, no, this isn't uh, pro referees just screwing over the crew. So 
I think as a goalkeeper, I'm going to sympathize with Andre Blake. Mm-hmm. Uh, when someone blocks your view, you are, you're done for. Not, there's nothing you can do, whether it would be someone like Mensa for Rue, or even if it's just some midfielder like Nagby, it's really tough. And given how far Hurtado was off the last defender for Philadelphia for that second man, I feel like if it was closer, pro referees could have stepped in and been like, oh, this may have been like an iffy call, may have went to VAR again, and they may have like over overruled it a second time or a first time, and they would have overruled it. But he was so far down, borderline on top of Andre Blake. And even though Blake didn't really give a like an immediate like, oh, nope, that's offside, that's offside, it is one of those calls that is very, uh, very iffy. So I don't, I don't doubt that he just felt like, oh, it's in because he didn't touch it, which is another part of the rule. You got to touch the ball. But now that they've added this whole, you can be in the eye line, you can be distracting. Affect the play. Affect the play. Yeah, any part the of the play, yep. you're done for. So I think it was a good call overall. Um, I wish I didn't think it was a good call, and I wish Hurtado wasn't in front of Andre Blake. But the goalkeeper side of me is very much siding with the call for Philadelphia Union, unfortunately. I think it's just such a rare call. I mean, you don't see it. I mean, you might see that once a year. And I think especially in the moment in front of the home crowd, the way it was. I mean, it, when they when they, when they they went to review it, I was just like, what could they possibly be reviewing? Because in the run of play, from my angle, like just being in the Nordic, you didn't see it. And then he kind of does the hands, waves it off, and it's just like you just expect to get screwed uh, when anything like that happens. Um, took a couple of days, reviewed it. I'm kind of with you. I think it was the, – the hard part of it is like Lucas slotted that. Like he, Blake, even mm-hmm. if Blake saw it, I don't think he's touched. And he's an amazing keeper. I get it. But like it was about as untouchable as it can get. So that's the part of it that's hard where it's like that was a perfect play. Uh, and you wanted Lucas to see the ball go in the net and get some confidence uh, It just in that moment. And I, I don't know if Rotato could have done anything differently. I don't think he thought he was you know, screwing up. Sometimes strikers get kind of out there on an island, and I, he didn't try to make a play on the ball. I think he knew he was offsides, but um, just within the course of the play, it, it kind of um, shook out the way it did. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree. I also think that Hurtado's run, when when looking back at it, it very much seemed like he was kind of waiting for a rebound. And like you said, Zarayan absolutely placed it. It was a, it was beautiful. You can't can't do anything like that. But I I do see where Zarayan kind of went because he did split in between both center backs. And uh, Zarayan is, when I watch him, is known for very much playing it on either side of a center back. So I wonder if he was expecting that ball to be played for just a quick little shot from six or seven yards out. Yeah, I know for me personally, because I, was, I wasn't at the game, but I was watching on TV, and I was upset the moment it was called um, because, the you know, the angle that they show on TV, it did not look, at least to me, it didn't look like Hurtado was that close to Andre Blake. But And I was pretty upset about it until, honestly, this morning, I finally saw what you might call, you know, the all-22 angle or, like, the you know the angle that's facing the uh, the, the nest from, yeah, yeah exactly from the nest thank you you know it's facing to- it's facing the goal and if from that angle it does actually seem pretty clear um, so it it uh I was fi- I finally stopped being mad this morning after I saw it, but then I was mad that I was that I was mad so you know it's the whole thing Andre Blake has like five inches on Eric Hurtado. He's just a little brick shit house. Well, there's no way he couldn't see it. No, I, 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 I might be able to be, you know, talked off um, um, from this one. Is is disappointing as it is. Um, uh, uh, smarter, smarter people, maybe more level-headed people than I, um, uh, uh, are able to, but. 
all in all, the result, you know, especially in, in, in a really frustrating game, I guess, I guess, you know, one of the other things, uh, Jason Russell Rowe goes down. It does sound like, I don't know if anybody's, you know, followed injury reports or was able to tune into any of the press conferences with Caleb this week, but, but it does sound like JRR is okay, or at least dodged any really serious injury. Correct. So oh, I, I, I actually, have, yeah, well, Bart, I actually <laughs> haven't, I actually haven't heard anything. I did, so I haven't heard anything negative. So whatever, I don't hear anything negative. I kind of assume that everything's all good. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think I haven't heard anything positive, but I haven't heard anything at all. I think honestly, I think he was, he was tired. Mm-hmm. And so like when he went down, he just like, when he had, when he committed that foul, I guess that I believe he got a yellow for uh, just like everybody else on the team. Uh, I think he was, it was just, Caleb was going to take him out anyway and put Hurtado in and it just, it was just a matter of timing. So I don't think he was subbed out due to injury. I think it was just going to happen anyway. And he, it was just good timing. He got hockey checked into the boards though. I mean, that was mm-hmm. rough. That was rough. Oh. And Eric Hurtado, like, honestly, I kind of liked Eric Hurtado going up and like about to bust some knuckles on some, that's why he's uh, there. Philly for. Players. Yeah, I mean, like, if he's not the first guy off the bench, what do we? What do you do? Like, I got your I back. It's totally earn that league. Learn, earn that vet minimum, dude. We, I mean, someone's got to be. And a, and Elliot is such a shithouser that it's like, no, you kind of deserve to be punched in the face. Yeah, I Sam, you might be able to. Uh, like that Sunday was such a weird place for me mentally. I'm still not used to Philadelphia being good. I'm still not used to Philadelphia having like good keepers because for years it was just a revolving door of no names and I'm not used to VAR. Uh, so like so much of what happened just felt foreign. Uh, so I don't know. I'd like to get back to some normalcy uh, seeing the fire play at soldier field uh, this weekend. So maybe that'll put me back into a, a good headspace. Yeah. But like, I just like everything about it was just, like, this isn't right. Like the, the ecosystem at MLS it relies on Philadelphia just having bad keepers. I mean, what, what else did you want? Did you want the crew to play DC at RFK, which was on fire yesterday? It's on fire, which oh, yeah. I, yeah, because there's I mean, too much trash. What happened the to the raccoons? Mm-hmm. That's what, did you see the report? They said there's too much trash, right? And it, so it got caught on fire. It's like, well, of course it was. Yeah, they got like caught on fire. Like they're in multiple places inside the stadium. You're like, what is happening there? I'm shocked that place is still standing. Couldn't happen to a better place. <laughs> yeah, there, there's a, there are a lot of metaphors in that. <laughs> and uh, I just want to grant, you know, the yeah, Philadelphia Union are, I mean, they're fourth in, the, I think they're fourth in the Supporters Shield standings now. And with th- on 30 points, I'm looking at it right now. And I think what the most frustrating thing, though, to me was that if there was any time you're going to beat the Philadelphia Union, this was the time. Because they're down, uh, they're, they're struggling to score goals. They're without uh, Jose Martinez, who is, you know, one of, if not the best defensive midfielder in Major League Soccer. And they had no depth because four of their young players were with the U-20s. Well, they, you know, their draft, our, our former draft pick was like starting uh, for, for <laughs> Chris Donovan, uh, which I thought was funny. Yeah. It's, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, no, you're, you're 100% right. I mean, I don't know. I, I still think like. I mean, yeah, the table is the table. I think there is a clear top four. Talent-wise, though, I don't, I don't know. I think we, if we run into them later on the year, God willing, in the playoffs, I, I think we could take them. I don't know. Yeah, they. I, I do they, too, and I think that's yeah. the frustrating part. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, before we get to any of that, we get to, as you alluded to, get to go to Chicago, um, and actually Chicago, not Bridgeview, going to real. Chicago proper, um, Soldier Field, uh, uh, just because we still can't, you know, they, are they the first MLS team to move from a soccer-specific stadium into a foot, football stadium? I think they may be. That's an awesome Probably. trivia question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just just full circle uh uh don garber just showing that that guy is uh, a complete hypocrite doesn't stand for anything but you know he does that every 
every week. Um, but so we've got Chicago. Uh, a team, is, as we talked alluded to uh, earlier, uh, among the, I think they are bottom of the standings, right? Or are they second to last? Here we go. Yep. Bottom of the standings um, with games or uh, and, and DC, same amount of points, but two games in hand. Uh, they've just four wins on the campaign, a negative eight goal differential, um, and they've conceded 24 goals you know, not, not too terrible. And, and at home, they they're just above 500. Um, but this is, you know, a Chicago team that I think, you know, we, they're probably thinking uh, uh, they shouldn't have let Jordan uh, Mihailovic go to Montreal right now, but uh, you know, they bring in Shakiri over the summer or uh, uh, in the off season. Uh, he's a name. I, I don't think he's, he uh, a name. I don't know that he's particularly been uh, lit up the stat sheets. Um, what can, you know, crew expect uh, against the Chicago team? Anyone that's had a chance to kind of, you know, watch them uh, extended this season. I know one of the few things that I pay attention to is definitely the young goalkeepers in the league, because MLS does a good job of making them out in Americans if we do anything well, we produce goalkeepers. That's the only thing we can really do well in the soccer field right now. But uh, Slonita has been really good recent. Er, in the beginning of the season, he was really good when I was really paying attention to him. And from what I've heard and what I've seen, he's tapered off a little bit. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt like a an Andre Blake moment coming out of him. He's like linked to Chelsea, Real Madrid, so he's the real he, deal. He's, yeah, he's, he's, at, he's definitely the real deal. Um, yeah, but he's having his growing pains in MLS, and I would not doubt if a few of those growing pains come out this weekend um, or any of the games that he plays. But I think definitely they're strong in goal, and Shakiri has definitely been just a name so far. It's their fireworks night, so we got to take that into account. They're going to be fired up for that. Uh it's a yeah, little I don't know. Yeah. Because if there's one thing firemen hate is is fireworks. So it's a little yeah. you're named after Chicago fire, you wouldn't really think they'd uh they Well, they're named after the, the fire though. True. True. So there's a lot Chicago going on. Fire logo. Yeah. Um, well, it's it, it was fireworks that spooked the cow that kicked over the lamp that burnt everything down. <laughs> that's, that's that's absolutely right. That's um, not far from the real story. I used to live in <laughs> Chicago, so like I I kind of the Chicago history and then Brandy. And it's like, I kind of, I got a soft spot for him. I know they're kind of a, a big rival of ours, but you know, I, I, it's, it's, I like seeing the, they kind of got back to their heritage with this revamped logo, but um, I, I don't think you could take this lightly just because it is a road game and the crew are the crew. I mean, we lost there last year. I think that was part of the six game skid. Uh, I don't want to be overly confident going into this, but, if we're going to be a different team this year, if we're this if this year is going to be different, this is one you you at least hope you get a, a point and at the very least just like control the game a little bit, look competent, have some success, some things to build off of, uh, kind of going into this run. I don't know. We've won two already on the this season. Let's let's try to get a third. Why not? It'll be great. It'll be so much fun. Yeah, and uh, Bart, you asked a little bit of like what to expect, um, and I think what to expect with the fire is not a lot of goals. Um, like they're they're an okay team defensively, and Slanina helps a lot with that. Um, but you know they're last in the league in goals for. They mm-hmm. have you know scored sixteen total goals on the season, and you know their two leading goal scorers are Casper Shabilko and Jordan Shakiri, and you know. By all accounts, Shakiri and each have three goals apiece, and by all accounts, they've both been disappointments. So, I mean, they're they are not full of offensive firepower. Um, and another thing, you know, you mentioned that they have four wins on the season. Two of those have come in the last four games. Um, so they are, you know, if if the fire are going to get hot, this might be this might be the fire getting a, a little hot. They might be kind of, you know, coming out of the basement. Maybe might be a little bit more rising to the level of mediocre. So I agree with Grant. You don't take, I mean, you don't take any team for granted if you're the crew on the, on the road or at home as we've, as you know, they've, yeah, as we've learned this year. Yeah. 
So the consensus, it seemed like, you know, earlier on, do we think that Cucho uh, gets the start or that he'll be coming off the bench? Assuming I'm seeing a lot of that, or at least from Sam here, that uh, that seems pretty comfortable that he thinks Cucho's coming off the bench. I think he comes off the bench maybe in the last 10 minutes. Um, I mean, he doesn't, the window opens tomorrow, right? Yeah. And so I think tomorrow is the first day he can practice with the team. Is that right? I think he could have technically practiced because I think they wanted to do a full team training on Tuesday, but they canceled it for the rain. That was what I saw. So if it doesn't rain tomorrow, he's going to be able to practice. It's either that or they're going to go to some sort of indoor facility since the bubble is not up. But I don't I don't (laughs) think he comes in. I I think he comes in in the second half. Uh, I see I see Jason Russell starting again and Hurtado coming in uh, maybe at halftime instead of like halfway through the second half to kind of just kind of give Chicago something else to think about. I think they'll try to tactically play it similar to they have. Yeah. But I don't think, I don't think he starts tomorrow depending on how the following week of practice goes and what the chemistry is between him and, you know, the midfield uh, you could see him theoretically start against DC, but I don't think they'd start him on a week uh, on a week day game when you have a big game on Sunday against FC Cincinnati that you want to push all the marbles in like Caleb noticeably has been very strategic with how early he's been taking his main guys out like his starters out and sub subbing some other depth in uh, because of that compression of games in the next in these two weeks so I don't I don't see that changing really hardly at all from that Kucho or not so, Sam, are you envisioning like a slow bring in, maybe 10 minutes this game, 30 versus D.C., and then he gets his he gets his full debut against Cincinnati? I mean, that makes sense to me. Yeah, I think so. I think that it, – it, and it makes sense from like a – I mean, he's only been off for, what, a, a month or so? No, almost two months. June, basically, yeah. Yeah, so a, a month and a month and a half. It gives him some time to kind of like – he's already – he's kind of settled in. He's getting to practice. He's kind of building that stamina, that game stamina back up because he's just going to jump right into a a second half of a season that he's going to need to be full go. So I I don't see any need to like rush him in uh, because God forbid he gets injured. And then it's just like, well, F this, you know, why would you even put that in the universe? (laughs) Because it's the crew. (laughs) it's mls it's yeah it's summer uh i I think a big part of it is is getting adjusted to the physicality of mls um that is is significantly more physical than people give it credit to but adjusting that physicality of mls is going to be a big thing for a guy who is while he is built he is not a big guy he's not a big guy All right. Well, we'll we'll get some picks in, but first, just want to do a little quick roundup around the the league. Um, I don't know if you guys saw. Did you guys see the the big trade in MLS um, to Miami? Uh, just somehow enter Miami. You know, it's 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 good to see a team that's just had such rough luck. Just just you know, find a way to just get something to go right for them, huh? Right, guys. Who wants to sum up that that robbery? Toronto's just got to completely flip the switch. I mean, it's a crazy kind of saga. Um, what they're what they're kind of dealing with right now. I don't know if the you know the crew win was their last straw. They were like, blow this up. It's not blow this. Oh up, no, like, they I mean, they lost three days yeah. later to Seattle at home. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I I mean, in, listen, Miami's right there with us in the standing. So I'm not going to throw too many stones at what they're doing. Cause I mean, it's not, I mean, points wise, mm-hmm. it doesn't look great. So I don't, I don't know. I, yeah, I, I was kind of, I wasn't shocked to see that, I guess, knowing what we know about Toronto, but it was like, uh, I mean, he's a guy that I remember like kind of being nervous when he had the ball in his feet against us. And now it's, now we got to play him again. Well, I was, I was surprised. <laughs> I mean, he, he went to, yeah. I think he went for $150,000 yep. a game. That was a, <laughs> yeah. He won he won the MVP in 2020. Like yeah. I mean that is a complete highway robbery. He's a very very good player and I honestly think with 
you know, with inner Miami, they got all those, you know, transfer sanctions and stuff like that. It forced them to play within the rules. And they're actually all of a sudden doing a pretty good job of playing within the rules. You know, they got Alejandro Pozuelo, uh, uh, Campana up top who brought a bunch mm-hmm. of life into their team when Iguain was dragging them into the, into the mud. And, you know, they also signed a, uh, they also acquired a guy named Bryce Duke who has been fantastic in their midfield. So I, I mean, I actually love what, Miami was doing. I wasn't surprised he was traded either, but I was surprised with where he went. I kind of envisioned him going to the Galaxy um, and following Greg Vanny, who was his prior manager. In this Toronto. guy, yeah. But if you're insinuate, like, are you kind of like, well, what the heck? What's what's going on? I'm I'm coming here and you're you're trading away the you know your your designated player, the other firepower. No, they're they're bringing in his buddy from Italy, right? Another guy's name oh, I, there I we can't go. pronounce but yeah i mean that, that's what i'm kind of there i mean i don't All think right, it's yes yes federico bernandeschi oh, I'm yeah not... i'm, I'm that was perfect diminishing my italian roots by not knowing this but uh <laughs> yeah i don't think it's enough to like save where they're at now but it's definitely i mean toronto is an organization that likes to swing for the fences so if they're if they don't have like just big team big time dps it just doesn't feel right so I don't know. I'm glad we got our games against them in when we did um, bank those points. Uh, got now. That, that elusive Trillium Cup, mm-hmm. which probably it's still real. Is. It's still real to me. Damn it! I'm mm-hmm. sorry for going blue there, but I will listen. Tr- some Trillium Cup moments that were important. 2015, open the season, huge. 2018, uh, three goal comeback. Uh, June 1st, uh, the Alex Kringali game, huge. Uh, Trillium Cup means a lot. They're there for a little bit. The mm-hmm. team that won the Trillium Cup was like in the MLS Cup because both teams were really good. Yep. So it, it's, you know, make the jokes, make the jokes, but you know, it's, it has its mystique. It's, it's a, you know, it's one more trophy than, than Tottenham. Again, Tottenham just <laughs> no trophies. <laughs> Crew is wanted- racking up Trillium yeah. Cups. <laughs> they won like that Audi Cup or something. So, you know, they're, they got yeah. the for them. Preseason thing or something. <laughs> That's the New York Red Bull special. They would they'd always get one of those and be like, it was a historic moment. Yeah. So the the only other bit of you know silly season news, um, just Jesse Lingard, Manchester United man, supposedly linked with MLS. Maybe you know LA Galaxy. Maybe they'll just send him to. Uh, I might my bet is he will go to LAFC and he will also not be a designated player. Um, but that just seems to be, you know, the case over there. Um, that, I mean, that, that seems, but I think that's an interesting trend that could be developing. And I'm just looking, you know, uh, Bernan Deshi, he's only uh, 28 and, and for years, you know, MLS was seen as again, the retirement league, uh, 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 that's where, you know, and you still do get, um, you know, the Chiellinis who, I, I mean, I'm pretty sure he's been 40 for the last 15 seasons. Yeah. Um, but but you are seeing, you know, younger players um, in the case of Kucha Hernandez, a guy, you know, maybe just entering his prime. Um, in this case, a couple guys, you know, playing top flight um, uh, in their prime in Lingard, who's who's linked to MLS and then, you know, Burton Deshier and Signe. Um, uh, both albeit coming from Italy. Uh, but, you know, is this, you know, a new trend that we we're seeing? Is this like a money talks thing? Is this, uh, I, I want to be in the U.S. and I want to be in L.A. or Miami? Um, I, I mean, in the case of Insigne and, and Bernesci, they're, they're in Toronto. Those, those winters are, are pretty cold. Um, what do you guys attribute to this, um, you know, th- this movement that's going on in this transfer period? I'd like to say, hmm, I don't know how to put it. I remember there's a quote from Zlatan when he was at the Galaxy for a bit, and he, he someone asked him, some reporter just said, hey, how hard is the league actually? And he said, the league is way harder than we get it credit for. And I still think that the mentality of the league is that it's so far below every other league that you can kind of come in. Like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt if these Lingard deals are just a hoax to give, like, MLS hype. I'm perfectly fine with giving MLS hype. We need it. But I, I wouldn't doubt if one of these guys, like Cujo especially, could be used to say, you know, to catapult his career back to Europe. 
by uh, putting on some good performances. Mm-hmm. Well, there's nothing that drives me crazier than the retirement league, um, you know, moniker. Mon- yeah. Yes, like a moniker, because it literally at this point in time could not be any further from the truth. Um, I if if Chiellini goes to Atletico Madrid, that's a great depth signing, and he's going to help them push further into the Champions League and get up the table in La Liga. But because he comes to LAFC, LAFC is not relying on him. They don't. They're not. They're not saying he's the end all be all. He's just another. You know, he's a reinforcement and an older guy to help their young, uh, talented center backs that they have. You know, for years MLS now is developing young American Canadian and South American talent and selling them along I, the, you know, I think sometimes American soccer players just got to American soccer fans got to not be so self-conscious and just, you know, know that yeah. this is not a retirement league. That's, that hasn't been the case for a long time now. It, it's a, there's a lot of different ways to, to go off of it. Um, I think specifically Cucho coming here i mean you think about the scenario he saw himself in after watford was getting relegated you know you hope maybe um a premier league squad might see value in him and get him like in the transfer window like a place or a squad that maybe is going up force or fulham maybe tries to grab him or or he has to go down to the champions the championship is those two scenarios are those more appealing than coming to America with, and I'm, I'm not trying to get a pro rel debate by any means, but there's some stability over here. I mean, you're going to, you can get a, a long contract, succeed and, and, and turn that around and increase your value. So maybe there is like a little bit more uh, value to the structure of what we have um, here in MLS as a recruiting tool uh, for, for overseas talent. So this game, you know, coming up against Chicago, this will be uh, game number 18 crew officially halfway through the MLS campaign. Um, I think, you know, I think it's safe to say, hopefully their best games are ahead of them for the season. You know, when you consider a guy like Cucho coming, Um, but where do you put, you know, let's get some grades. I need you to arbitrarily assign a, a letter, a plus or minus um, to it. I, I've given you a lot of time to think this out. For those of you uh, at home, I just sent a thing in the Zoom chat about uh, uh, 15 seconds ago to warn them that I'd be asking them this. Um, so let's go with grades for 17 games in. And uh, we're going to start with you, Grant. Where do you put the crew? As a whole, I, I would give the full squad, the head coach, front office. Uh, I think it's a solid C. I think if you earned every bit of that, you put yourself in position to improve on that uh, grade for the rest of the season. Um, things could have gone worse. Things could have. There's a lot of things that could have gone better. Um, but I, I think you take everything into consideration. It's been a C uh, with room to improve. And I, I would almost be bullish just looking at the schedule and the, the matchups that are left, uh, a couple of games in hand, and, and obviously Cucho coming. I think I wouldn't be shocked if that, that increases. But right now, it, it, it's been a C, C average. All right. Ryan, what do you think? I'm going to have to agree with the C. I think that's the perfect grade to give it, um, especially shown in this past game. You need to bury your chances. You can't leave anything up to interpretation. And I think we've done that far too much to warrant anything better. But I think the front office has gone in and got, you know, a solid player in Cucho. And uh, I, I think we can get make a good push for at least playoffs, if not a good playoff position coming up. All right. Sam? Get your red pen out. Mm. I'm actually going to go with a C minus because I think this team is underperforming. Um, I'd actually almost went with a D plus. Um, they they definitely have shown a lot of flashes that they can that they are better than where they are now and what they are now. Uh, the only thing that brings it up to a C minus is the fact that they signed 
hopefully I, I it doesn't even the fact that they're spending effort that crew two is doing something to help this team uh you know do something we we can't really judge the signing of Cucho until he hits the field and we see what he can actually do. Um, so a C minus, yes, they're underperforming the last five games, make it look like something is happening. Uh, but yeah, I C minus it is. I think Caleb is still on a um, above warm seat. He's not, it's not quite hot. It's going to get hot after Cucho starts and, and we see what the results this team has. All right, Brian. So I was, you know, in, in my minute and a half to think about it, I was, I was gonna, I was originally thinking C minus. And then I thought about the last five games and, you know, earlier when I mentioned that, you know, Caleb Porter's time is officially on the hot seat, you know, I was a little tongue in cheek because, you know, the last five games they have shown, you know, marked improvement and have, been playing a lot better so that raised it to a c for me but then i think anytime you can make a club record signing that's a really big deal and that's good on the club as a whole so that is then going to bring it up to a c plus so that's where i'm landing i walked oh, wow. you wow. i walked you walked you through my thought process and i am you know as grant alluded to i am a cleveland uh native and a cleveland sports fan so i am a glass half empty kind of guy so C plus is my glass half full uh, grade for the crew at the halfway mark. All right. Um, well, we'll get some uh, prediction. For, for what it's worth, I think I'm. I think I'm probably around that C minus area, you know, and, and probably was a D plus too, Sam, until they won two road games. Um, so we'll, we'll do. But everyone, it. Look, those are passing grades, Caleb Porter, but um, they're not that you are not going to get any cookies from Cheryl's Cookies. Um, your parents are not going to be putting it on the refrigerator. Um, so uh, this is your chance, though. Uh, that's the midterms uh, finals coming up in another 17 weeks. Um, but first, uh, uh, you can do some work by uh, getting the job done against Chicago. And then we will, I thought, uh, will we have uh, a, a podcast before the DC game, Sam? Oh yeah. I forgot about that. I don't know it. <laughs> all my days run together. So yeah. it's okay. So just well, possible to know. Yeah. We'll try to. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a good, I mean, it's a kind of existential question, um, but we'll just focus instead right now on Chicago um, and uh, uh, you know, wonderful game coming up in soldier field uh we'll let uh grant you let us off last time we'll let you lead, lead us off for the pick thank you i appreciate that i think it's i'm gonna hedge my own excitement here and just say it's gonna be a one-one draw uh, and it's not gonna be incredibly flashy or exciting because most games at soldier field aren't um so that's that's my take i think it's gonna be a one-one tie and that includes um, and the we, bears mm-hmm. oh yeah that's yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. One one from Grant. Ryan. I'm gonna give it a one zero win. I think you know Chicago d- does not score. They're they they can't score, but they do give up goals. And I think the crew is starting to score goals. And I think when those scenarios collide, we score at least one goal. And I think that'll give us the win. Right. I like it, Ryan. I like, I like a win. You know me. Um, Sam, what are you thinking? I am thinking that the crew just does not play well in Chicago, regardless of how good or bad Chicago Move them is. back to Bridgeview. <laughs> well, no, they don't play well in Bridgeview either. They just don't play Bridgeview. well against yeah. the uh, Chicago Fire. Uh, so I'm going to hedge my bet here, and I'm going to go. It's going to be a tie. Probably a zero zero, maybe a one one. Um, so if they win, I'll be pleasantly surprised. But my gut says it's going to be a tie. I don't know about that, Sam. Brian, come on, give me something. Get, show some of that famous Cleveland optimism. So I'm going to add to the incredibly sexy predictions we've just laid out and echo Sam with a zero zero draw. That that Cleveland excitement fully and uh, you know fully intact. I just, you know, to what Ryan said, Chicago doesn't score goals. 
And I just in right now in the crew, I don't see a goal in them on the road in Chicago. So I'm going with the zero zero draw as well. Brian, I, I, I gotta agree with you. I do not see a goal um, with the crew. I see three goals. That's right. Three, one crew, baby. Best score line. And especially for our friends in Chicago, we love our friends in three, one crew. We love Kunal. Um, and uh, it's uh, if, if you're going to be in uh, Chicago for the game, um, look up three, one crew, just find them on uh, Twitter uh, and they will show you a good time. Um, uh, uh, drink some Malort for Bart. Um, but, uh, Oof, don't I? Oh, it is don't. I mean, do it, do it. But like, here's also. Malort is like the crew logo, the rebrand. Um, it grows on you, but it doesn't get better. Uh, and that's very well said. And, and that is that is the crew logo. Um, well, I, I think we, I, I hope that we grew on you and got better um, throughout the, you know, hour and some change of uh, this podcast. I thought I had a good time, fellas. Appreciate everybody coming out. Always a pleasure. Happy yeah. to be here. Stream come uh, true every time. I told that the, <laughs> the first time I got to record. Dream, so. Again, dream move. Dream move. Really low here. <laughs> Listen, man, you know, you got to have attainable goals. Some kids wanted to be astronauts, presidents. I wanted to be on the Master Report podcast. Well, here we are. Well, there you go. We're happy to fulfill <laughs> those dreams. Oh, absolutely. And and Ryan, Brian, Grant, of course, Sam. So good to be on with you guys. Um, we'll be back in uh, next week uh, if we are lucky. Uh, Cruz, Coot, or the Massive Reports, Cucho Hernandez. Of course, that's Brian Phillips. Will be uh, back behind the mic. Um, if not, you may be stuck again with with Eric Hurtado here, um, just uh, getting the job done. And no, I'm I'm gonna make myself Jason Russell Rowe. Um, Smurf is is uh, Miguel Barry um, because they both have neck tats. Um, true story. <laughs> Uh, uh, no, so that'll do it for this week. Uh, uh, Brian, Ryan, Grant, Sam, thanks so much for coming. Uh, bye, buddies. Bye.